Um, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to talk about a topic. We're going to talk about assurance of salvation. Uh, normally, as many of you know, we just pick a book and we track through that. Tonight, we're doing something a little bit different. And, um, and we're talking about assurance, being sure that you are a saved one. And we've sung about it a lot already. It's been wonderful. And we're going to think about it as we look at Romans 8, which is all about that. Uh, why don't I pray and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, it is wonderful to um, hear you speak to us just now in your word. We thank you uh, for the word of God. We thank you for this amazing chapter of the Bible. Uh, we thank you that you are a God who desires us to know, to understand the realities of, of things, of how things truly are. Uh, you want us to understand life. You want us to understand who you are, who we are, and how we can know you. Uh, you want us to know that. And we thank you that your word is clear and makes it known for us so that we might have certainty about where we stand with you. Please do that for us tonight, we pray for your glory and for our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, it's my son's birthday today, uh, Boxing Day birthday. We, we were thinking he was going to be a Christmas Day baby, but he wasn't. Um, just kind of made it in there. Uh, he turned seven. But we were just, just before I came here, we were at the dinner table and um, my wife and I, we tried to have this deep and meaningful conversation with our newly seven-year-old and we're saying, you know, what was it like being six? How's it feel to be seven? And he said, just like being six. And we said, okay, and what was, you know, what, what, is, what did you like about being six? What would you like to, to be, what, what would being seven, what would you love that to bring for you? And he kind of just looked blankly for about 10 seconds and said, I don't know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great conversation, but um, every conversation's like that with a seven-year-old. But um, it, birthdays bring with it that kind of opportunity to reflect on, on how your life's been, how the year's been, and what you would like to see different into the future. And uh, the other thing that does that is New Year's. And just a couple of days away, you know, Christmas is gone, couple of days away now, it'll be 2022. And so we, we, that brings with it this opportunity to reflect on the year that's been, if you can muster up the strength to think about the last year, uh, and think about what would you like to be different in the new year for you, for just life generally. Um, but I think that um, if we've learned anything from this last year, it's that there are very few things in this life you can be certain about. Uh, do you remember this time last year, the end of 2020? Everyone was so excited for 2020 to be done. We were saying, yes, goodbye 2020, hello 2021, this is going to be our year. And then, well, the year happened, 2021. Uh, but I reckon we've learnt the lesson. I reckon we get it now that there are very few things we can be certain about. In fact, I saw this uh, on Instagram a couple of days ago. Nobody claimed 2022 as your year. We're all going to walk in real slow. Be good, be quiet, be cautious and respectful, and don't touch anything. <laughs> Isn't that good? What's 2022 going to bring? We just don't know. And, you know, are we all going to have COVID with, after tonight? Probably. Uh, we, you know, we're just not, we're not certain about anything. I mean, the, um, oh, who was that? Uh, the weather, uh, you know, I was so looking forward to summer. And we've had three days of summer so far. Um, you know, what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks with COVID? It just seems crazy, doesn't it? Um, are we going to have another lockdown? I really hope not, but who knows? Anything could happen. Um, what's going to happen with your work? 
Is it going to be good news or is it going to be bad news? We, we can't be certain about that, can we? You know, when the first lockdown happened, a year and a half ago now, a young girl, like straight away, two, like first or second day in, a young girl came up to me in the street, drunk off her face, having just lost her job, which she thought was so secure, asking if she could clean my house or wash my car or... It, just devastating. Devastating to think that you've got something secure and certain and then just to have that snatched away. But that's life. We just don't know. 2022, your relationships. What's going to happen there? Is it going to be good? There is so much in this world we can't be certain about. Um, and it's one of those things, uncertainty, it's one of those things that uh, you can get by if you just are not very thoughtful and you just kind of don't think about the future, you'll be all right. But if you are thoughtful and you realise how fragile and uncertain life is, there's kind of real reason to live with a bunch of anxiety, especially if you don't know God as your father, as you walk through life. Well, what about your relationship with God? Is it sure? Is your relationship with Him such that you could say, with the full assurance that faith brings, I'm sure that my Father has me in His hand. I'm sure of where I'm going when I die. I know about my salvation. Tonight, as we dig into this topic and we wrestle with Romans 8, we're going to see that in a world of uncertainty, God offers us certainty for the thing which matters most. What God offers is the certainty that when you are in Christ, nothing can separate you from God's love. Romans 8, verse 35, have a look at that there. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or, verse 37, no, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is the assurance that God wants us to have. Which I want to offer is not just assurance of knowing and being sure about one good thing among many good things. No, uh, to be sure about God, to be sure about where you stand with Him, to be sure about your eternity, there is nothing more grounding and more life-changing than that. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. But you know, this, um, this certainty with God, it's something that very few people have. It's, it's not something that many religions will offer you at all. Um, in fact, in Roman Catholicism, to believe that you can be sure about your salvation, to be sure about your salvation, is called the sin of presumption. It's a sin. Arrogance and pride, boasting. It's sin to think this. In every other system of belief, every other religion, you can't be sure like this because you never know if you've done enough and so you can't be sure. Even outside of religion, you can't be sure about anything apart from death and taxes, who knows? There's no certainty. But what we see again and again in the Bible, throughout the Bible, especially in Romans 8, is that God wants us to be sure. Completely different. Our God wants us to be sure. This is what God holds out for us tonight. 
assurance of our salvation. So as we go into 2022, as we enter another year of uncertainty, uh, let's tonight get grounded on the big thing, the thing which matters most. And so tonight the plan is look at Romans 8, which is a big chapter, we'll, we won't go over all of it obviously, looking at the reasons why we can have assurance. Why can we have assurance? What's different? So that's what we're going to do and that's to say we're going to think about this kind of objectively. What, generally speaking, what does the Bible say about being sure? And then after we've done all of that, then we're going to think about us. What about you? As you reflect on what we've seen, are you sure? Do you have doubts about your salvation? What about what we've seen helps you with that? So that's the plan. So let's do it. Why can we have assurance of salvation like this? Well, here's the first reason. The promises of God. The promises of God. Um, before we look at this promise in Romans 8, verse 1, uh, let's think about promises for a moment. You guys know what a promise is, but he, how's this for a definition? A promise is a person committing themselves to a future action or outcome. A person committing themselves to something in the future. It's their, their future orientated. I promise to wash the car. What that's saying is that in the future, I'm going to wash that car, I'm going to do that. I promise to be there on Tuesday. In Tuesday, I commit to doing that thing. But some promises aren't only about the future. Some promises begin now and carry on into the future. So marriage vows, I promise to be your husband. Well, what we're saying in that is, I promise to be your husband as soon as the bloke says I do, as soon as Adrian says I do, from then on into the future, now and forevermore. Well, have a look at the promise that God makes to us, Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a statement, right? But when read in the context of the Bible, uh, it's not just a statement, it's a promise. In fact, you might say that this is the promise of the Bible, one that encompasses all the other promises and is the ultimate fulfilment of all the other promises in the Bible. It's the promise that for those who are in Christ, which means to have been someone who's put their faith in Jesus, now counted as one in Him, what happens to Him happens to me. When you're that person with faith in Jesus, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation today, now, and no condemnation into the future. See the orientation of it. Not, on, not now, not today, not on Judgment Day. This is the promise God has made to us. Now, condemnation, why would we need this promise that God won't condemn us? Well, Romans 1 to 3 have made this argument, have shown clearly that humanity has tragically turned our backs on God, rebelled against Him. And God in His righteousness has said that He will condemn humanity for their unrighteousness. But for those in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. And it's because God and His incredible kindness has made a way for us to be righteous again. Romans 3 verse 22 says that righteousness can be given to us as a gift to all who have faith in Jesus. 
unrighteous humanity can become righteous again in God's sight by faith in Jesus. And so let me just reiterate this promise to us. God's promise to us is, although you are unrighteous, although I should condemn you, if you put your faith in Jesus, I will count you as righteous and you will not be condemned. Not now, not ever. That's the promise of God. John 3, 36 puts it like this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, has eternal life now, has eternal life for eternity. Now, people break promises. People break promises all the time, don't they? God doesn't break His promises. When the weatherman tells me that it's going to rain tomorrow, apart from the fact that it just always rains now in summer, um, when the weatherman tells me what the weather's going to be like, I kind of believe him. But there's, there's definitely a, a whole bunch of scepticism in that. I, kinda, I trust weather people to a certain degree. Um, because humans, we don't really know. We're making estimated guesses at, at best. Kind of. But God doesn't lie. God is not a human that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No. Numbers 23. When God promises, he fulfills that promise. God is not a weatherman. And so when God says, for those in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation for you, that promise comes all, with all the certainty and authority of the God who does not lie. And so you who have faith in Jesus, there is now no condemnation for you. In Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's what God's promised. And He is faithful and true. There's the first reason we can have assurance of our salvation, the promises of God, the promises of the God who does not lie. Second reason, the work of Christ, and we've sung about this in that, in that great song, Grace Alone, already. In the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God did everything necessary for us to be saved. Have a look at verse 2. Verse 2 carries on the, the argument and explains why there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the reason is because, verse 2, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but who live according to the Spirit. What the law, the Old Testament laws, the Mosaic laws, the Ten Commandments, what they couldn't do because of our unrighteousness, God did it. He sent His Son as a sacrifice to pay for our breaking of those laws, our unrighteousness, and he kept the laws perfectly so that the, the righteous requirements of that law might be fully met, verse 4, fully met in us because all that Jesus has done is a gift to us. 
God, by the work of Christ, has done everything necessary so that we could be saved, so that we could be righteous, which means that we can have confidence because Jesus has done everything necessary. We can be confident not because we've done enough and we've earned enough and I've, you know, I've been good enough and I've ticked enough of the box. No, we've, we've not done any of that, but that's what Jesus dealt with, the fact that we weren't good enough, that we were unrighteous, which means that to have confidence in our, in our salvation, it's not the sin of presumption. It's just seeing that Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross was effective. Jesus coming into our world, taking on flesh that we've just celebrated, he didn't do that so that we could finish the work, finish the job. He did that so he could die on the cross, pay for our unrighteousness and give us the gift that we couldn't deserve ourselves. To be confident is to say, Jesus has done it. I trust him. It's not arrogance or pride to recognise what Jesus has done. There is no boasting in biblical Christianity. The end of chapter 3, Paul asks that very question because he's just laid out this incredible news that you don't actually have to have done the thing so that you can be saved with God. He says, if you just put your faith in Jesus, righteousness will be given to you as a gift. And, and so he poses the question, so what about me? What about boasting? And he says, it is excluded. There is no boasting because we stand righteous before God, not because of us, but because of Jesus. You know, the work of Satan is to point at people like me and say, unrighteous, guilty, God condemn him. Look at what he's done. Look at the life he's lived. But Jesus broke the power of Satan because Jesus paid for all my unrighteousness on the cross. And so God says, no, my son died as a sacrifice for sin. The righteous requirements of the law, they were met by him so they can be met by Dan, fully met in him. You can't condemn him any longer. Now, we still need to talk about what we do when we do sin. Christians still sin, of course, and we'll come back to that at the end. But for now, as we ask this question, why can we be sure of our salvation? Notice that it's, it's not because of us. It's not because of us. It's because of God. Because of God's promises and His faithfulness to those promises. Because of Jesus, the work of Christ. God did everything in Christ. You don't need to put a cherry on top. Jesus did it. Our certainty comes from God. Before we turn and think about where, where we're at, where you're at with your assurance, let, let's have a look at one more reason, one more big reason for our assurance. But I should say, there's a book at the end of the Bible, 1 John, and it's a letter all about assurance. He says, I've written this for you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And he doesn't have three reasons, he's got about 10. And so that's a great book to read through as well. I'm just picking up three really big ones that happen to be in Romans 8. But let's look now at the third reason. The third reason for our assurance in our salvation is the work and witness of the Spirit. Let's take those two at a time, one at a time. The work of the Spirit. When someone puts their faith in Jesus, a profound transformation occurs and continues to occur. The Spirit transforms your heart, your mind, your will, and He gives new spiritual birth 
which means that we can now put our faith in Jesus. We're no longer dead in sin, Ephesians 2. We can put our faith in Jesus and be counted righteous. The Spirit's work then continues though. The Spirit works out this new spiritual life in you, ongoingly reorientating your life toward the things of God, taking you from hostility toward God to loving God, wanting to please Him. And listen to uh, how Paul describes the difference between the person who's not had this new spiritual birth from the Spirit and the person who has had the Spirit come and make them alive. Notice the contrast, ready? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, that is, without this new Spirit birth, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. See the contrast. The person with the Spirit has been reorientated from being hostile to God to being a, a joyful submitter, uh, from being ruled by sin and disobedience to now having a heart that wants to please God. And the result of this life that the Spirit brings about in us is, a not, is an obligation that we carry with us forward, an obligation. Verse 12, jump down there. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Renewed by the Spirit, we now have an obligation to live by the Spirit, to put to death our old way of rebellion. We've been saved from that, so let's not live in that anymore. Let's now walk in this newness of life that God has given. And Paul says in verse 13 that if you do this, you will live, you will have eternal life. Now, just a quick little side note, there's a saying that some churches have taught, which is, once a Christian always a Christian. Have you heard that before? Once a Christian, always a Christian. Now, it is the case that those who God saves, He will keep to the end. Uh, but what this phrase gets used to say is that as long as at some point in your life, you know, you're a kid, you're a teenager at a conference, whatever, as long as at some point in your life you made a public profession of faith, then it doesn't matter what you do next. It doesn't matter if you walk away, if you stop coming to church, you stop living with Jesus, Lord. It doesn't matter about that. Once a Christian, always a Christian, you're safe. Now, what does Paul say? Verse 13. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He says, verse 12, we have an obligation now, uh, the point in all of this is that when you see the Spirit's work in your life, that is a great reason for assurance of your salvation. Because only the person who, who has the Spirit can say, Jesus is Lord and want to live to please God. That is a, a, that's a miracle. That is a supernatural work of God that you would want to live for Jesus, that you would say, He's my Saviour. That is the work of the Spirit in you. That's evidence of the Spirit in you. So when you see yourself seeking to fight sin, struggling, sure, but wanting to, wanting to please you, 
That's the Spirit in you. So do you see the work of the Spirit in your life? More on that soon. There's the work of the Spirit. There's also the witness of the Spirit. Verse 14, where, where the, Spirit, the Spirit witnesses to our hearts so that we know God as our Father. Have a look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. You are God's child, the Spirit says to us. Not in, a, not in like a, a whisper that wakes you up in the night, just in your heart that you know God as your Father. You know, how does a child, how does my kid, Dom, how does he know that he is my son? We've never done a DNA test to really make sure, uh, but he just knows. And I dare say he just knows it in his heart. Um, you know, there are a bunch of, there's a bunch of evidence that you can look at. I've got a photo of me having, you know, holding him just out of the womb. That's pretty good evidence. He's grown up in my house, but he calls me father. Well, he calls me dad. He calls me dad and I call him son. And when he relates to me, he relates to me at, with me as his dad. And I relate to him as though he is my son. He just knows it in his heart. In your heart, do you know God as father? When you think of God and how God is toward you, do you think of him as being a father toward you? A heavenly father, a perfect father, without all the mess of human fathers. Do you know God as father? You know, yes, with all our sins, but do you know him as one who is forgiving and kind and tender and who loves? Well, if the answer is yes, that's the Spirit's witness to your heart. Confirming to you, telling you, you are his child. In Christ, you are his child. And if we are his children, we have assurance of our relationship with him. Not just now, but forever. There's three big reasons for our assurance. We've covered a lot of ground. A, a Christian can have assurance because of the promise of God, the promise of the faithful God. A Christian can have assurance because of the finished work of Christ on our behalf. And we can have assurance because of the work and witness of the Spirit. God is your Father. And so how about you? How sure are you of your eternal relationship with God? Are you sure? Do you have doubts about your salvation? Do you have even legitimate reasons for not being sure? Without answering out loud, ask yourself of this, am I sure of my relationship with God? Well, let me give you a few different scenarios uh, of a few different people that might be here and you might be able to identify with one of them. Um, and so you see which, which scenario of these best fits you. First, there's, there's the person who's never turned from their sin. 
who's never put their faith in Jesus, who've never owned that, yes, I actually am unrighteous and guilty before God. I actually do need rescuing. I need a saviour if I'm going to be with God forever. If that's you, um, you have no reason currently for confidence with God. And the Bible's at pains to show you that you actually need someone to come and live and die on your behalf. You actually need someone to deal with your sin if you're going to front up before God. Outside of Christ, we stand condemned and under the wrath of God. Any assurance that you might have of heaven is blind and misguided. It's false assurance. And so if that is you, what do you do? Well, you don't try and put the cherry on top, you don't try and work your way there, you need to hear the promise and offer of God that's here before you tonight. You need to hear that in Christ, there is no condemnation, so come to Christ, that's what you need to do. And if you genuinely do come to Christ and you're found in Him, there is now and forever no condemnation. So hear the promise of God, trust the promise of God, Come to Jesus and put your faith in Him and gain assurance. That's what you can do. So that no matter what else happens in your life in 2022, you can be sure of the big thing. So there's that. Don't put it off. Do it tonight. Do it as a, a last 2021 big action. There you go. Come to know God as Father and the forgiveness He offers in Jesus. But what, what about us who have put our trust in Jesus um, well, here's a couple of scenarios, and I don't want to make light of what we're talking about, but I've come up with some funny names as a kind of memory hook for you, and so hopefully that's helpful. Um, first of all, there's Walked Away Warren. Now, Walked Away Warren is the person who at one time, earlier in their life, had made some sort of commitment to Jesus, but has since walked away. They've stopped coming to church, you know, if you're here and you've come back tonight, it's so good, welcome back, don't be Warren anymore. Um, you've come back, uh, but, but outside of Christ, if you've walked away, you know, I made that, I said that as a six-year-old, but since I've gone, I've not, I've turned away and I'm not living for Jesus. What assurance should Warren have? Um, well, if you've bought into once a Christian, always a Christian and it doesn't matter, well, then you won't worry. But if you've read Romans 8, verse 12 and 13, you'll know that we have an obligation. You'll know that, verse 14, it's those who are led by the Spirit who are children. It's those who walk in the Spirit who are God's children. And so what does walked away Warren need to do? He needs to stop walking away and come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus, put your faith in Jesus and regain your assurance. Is that you tonight? There's that person. Second, there's secretly sinning Steve. They start heavy, I'm sorry, and they get less heavy. Um, there's secretly sinning Steve. Now, this is the person who says that they've looked to Christ, who says with great confidence that I'm sure of heaven, it's all okay, it doesn't matter that I keep doing that thing, and yet continues to walk in unrighteousness. Is this you? Now, this is different to the person who um, is struggling against their sin, who doesn't want to, who wants to honour God with their lives, but is finding themselves struggling and stumbling. And uh, this is the person who says, I know I keep doing that thing, but it doesn't matter. What confidence should this person have? 
Well, this person again needs to hear verse 13. It's, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, putting to death the misdeeds of the body, evidencing that you are God's child, verse 14, that's when you can have assurance. And so secret sins, being in denial of sins, yet claiming confidence, this person kind of needs their confidence to be shaken and to say, are you really in Christ? Are you really walking with him? Is he really your Lord? And they need to come back to Jesus and put their faith in him as Lord, seeing the work of the Spirit in their life again so that they might gain confidence. And then, then there's anxious Annie. Is this you? Annie is the person who is looking to Jesus to save her, has her faith in him, is seeking to walk by the Spirit, but when she looks at her walk, when she reflects back on her year and she looks at herself, then she has doubts. She's anxious about whether God will truly accept her, whether she's done enough, whether she's been good enough. Well, what anxious Annie needs to do is to not primarily look at her faith, but to look at the promise of God, to look at the work of Christ. Don't look to you, look to Him. Hear the promise of God again. For those who are in Christ, not for those who've walked perfectly, it's not for that person, it's for those who are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. God is faithful. He will keep His promise. Put your trust in Jesus. Keep looking to Him. One theologian said that for every one look at myself and my faith, I need 10 looks at Jesus. Look at yourself, examine yourself, but then Jesus. Jesus, look, remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. Remember the words of God. See it again in Romans 8. And so what does anxious Annie do? She needs to look to Jesus. Remember the promise. And when you are looking at yourself and despairing of your sin... There's those beautiful words in the song. When Satan tells me, tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin. Upward I look. When I despair of myself, upward I look and I see him. It's done. Jesus has done it. You don't need any cherry. Which means that anxious Annie can become assured Annie. We're looking to Jesus, she has the assurance that he's done everything, God is faithful and God is my Father who forgives me and accepts me in all that I am. And then as I trust him and I keep walking by the Spirit, as I keep putting to death the misdeeds of the body, again and again, day by day, I gain further and further confidence in my God and his faithfulness. And so here's the big takeaway for tonight. So long as you are looking to Jesus, you can be sure. So long as you look away from yourself and toward Him, you can be sure. You can be sure that nothing will separate you from the love of God for those who are in Christ Jesus, because God is faithful to His promises, and God, not us, has done everything necessary to save us. And so look to Jesus all your days, every day of next year, Look to Jesus. If you take your eyes off Him, your assurance will be shaky and you'll lose it. So long as your faith is firmly in Him, you can have great unshakable confidence. There is now no condemnation 
for those in Christ. There is now nothing which can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so next year, there's not much we can be sure about. Who knows what's even going to happen next week? Uh, But we can be confident about the big thing. How good is being a Christian? Who knows what next year is going to be like for us? Be grounded in the confidence and certainty of the thing which matters, which can ground you for all of life throughout the ups and the downs, which next year will undoubtedly bring. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, almighty and faithful God, you have made a promise You have promised to be the Father of all who look to Jesus as Saviour and Lord. We thank you for Christ, for his work on our behalf, his birth, his coming into our world and taking on flesh, his life and his sacrificial death. We thank you for the Spirit that he gives us new birth, even when we were dead in sin, We thank you that he works in us to walk with you now and who teaches our hearts to know you and call upon you as Father. May he help us to put to death the misdeeds of the body all our lives, to live in such a way that pleases you and honours you. Help us to repent where repentance is needed. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, taking ten looks at Christ for every one look at ourselves that we may have assurance of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.